Hello everybody, uh, welcome back to what is now the fourth edition of the Sporting Blog podcast um, and for this one going to do something a little bit different um, inspired by a suggestion from the king of internet marketing well actually he's probably not the king because someone's going to say that someone else is better but someone uh, who knows his stuff um, I was reading an article about something completely unrelated to sport and came across a suggestion by Neil Patel on a website uh, which essentially is a not like a keyword checker but uh, it looks at people's uh, most common questions on, on various topics and whilst tooling around on there um, I thought I'd type in a sport and see what people were asking about it and um, so then I thought why why not do one that maybe I can answer the questions on with a reasonable level of authority Um, because I think if you typed in football people would be like why is Messi better than Ronaldo which is for another day although Gary Lineker did a very good piece on that uh, just the other day and I agreed with most of it Um, and I'm not going to get into that Um, Ronaldo's a superhuman athlete and uh, Messi is the greatest player of all time Um, so what I did with the answer the public was was type in a sport that I am an amateur player of um, somewhat regularly not as much as I'd like um, but I enjoy the game I don't profess to be any good at it but I'm okay, and um, I think it's probably one of the more interesting games that you can play, uh, and that's real tennis, or as it's known in the States, court tennis, and some people call it royal tennis, and I think that's because of the uh, the association with the court at Hampton Court Palace, and the reasonably well-known fact that Henry VIII liked to play the game. Uh, personally, I think it's a disaster for real tennis that people constantly bang on about the fact that Henry VIII used to play it. Who cares? Um, you know, King James rode horses. We don't reference that every time we see a horse race. And I'm sure one of the princes at one point kicked a football. But um, yeah, it's not a good association. I think it just holds the game back. But that's uh, another thing. So... I thought I would try an answer without using Google um, and just from my own knowledge the questions that the internet is asking about real tennis now there's quite a few and some of them are much the same so um, just for those who don't know and there'll be a few of you I guess real tennis is the forerunner to the game of Uh, lawn tennis or or now simply known as tennis Um, it's an old game and some of these questions I'll I'll go into the history a tiny bit Uh, basically it's an indoor sport played on uh, a court you know roughly the same size as a a normal tennis court Um, except um, it's enclosed within four walls uh, and all four walls are in use the scoring system similar. Uh, you do play with a racket, but it's uh, wooden, 
uh, hand-strung, pretty heavy, and you play with a ball that looks like a tennis ball, but is actually closer in uh, weight to a cricket ball or a baseball, actually more accurately, uh, that that is covered in felt, and so it does look like a, a fluorescent green slash yellow tennis ball, but the ball doesn't really bounce. So if you just drop it from your hand, it pretty much hits the ground and then uh, hits the ground even sooner thereafter. Um, you can Google Real Tennis. There's plenty of videos. There's, there's plenty of stuff on it online. Um, there aren't loads of courts, so most people wouldn't stumble across them. Uh, I will put a link in the um, the description of this uh, podcast as to where you can find out more about the game. Uh, I'm not here to sell real tennis or anything like that. But uh, for those who have never played the sport, it's really good. It's um, it's a bit more interesting than lawn tennis in that it's quite hard to uh, be completely overpowered uh, by your opponent unless they're kind of very much above you in standard. But there's a lot more to the game than just power and placement of shot. Um, there's an awful lot of different serves. There are many different styles of play. And crucially, there is a very good handicap system that allows you to play against people of differing standards and still have a good game. Uh, apart from golf, I don't really think this works in any other sport. Certainly in lawn tennis, it can't work really. Uh, I did actually play a tennis lawn tennis match the other day and uh, I say a match, it was a friendly game. But I, I was doing quite well, so we did put handicap in place where I whereby I started love 15 down and my opponent started 15 love up in every in every game uh it did make it a bit closer but really it just makes you try harder um <laughs> so um the opponent has uh, even less chance whereas in real tennis that system is in play and when things get when the gap gets really big there are certain areas of the court you're not allowed to hit the ball to if you're the better player and so on and so forth so it, it it allows you know me to play against a very good player, and although they probably won't have the vigorous uh, workout and, and tactical battle, or have to face off against um, lots and lots of my impossible to retrieve shots, uh, they will have to work for the win simply because they have to win more points. If I'm starting thirty love up and they're starting fifteen love down. Um, I've already, you know, got. I've only got to win two points to to win that game. So there's no room for error. Uh, whereas they have to be unerringly consistent and um, and have to try and you know make me make the mistakes. So it, it does work from that point of view, which is quite a reasonably good game for beginners. It's quite tricky to pick up at first, just because the racket's heavy and the ball doesn't bounce, uh, and you don't need to swing uh, with anywhere near as much. Um, as much venom as you do in in lawn tennis it's uh, a bit more subtle and the racket and the ball do a lot of the work for you uh, in part due to the heaviness and the extreme uh, power of the sweet spot if you can find it so yeah look real tennis uh, have a look online it's going to be a lot easier to see visually there's some good videos on youtube 
you probably look at it and just think these guys are hitting a tennis ball around. But as I say, because the ball is that much harder and the racket that much heavier, uh, it, it is quite difficult to manipulate the ball to the same extent. And miss hits are, are way less forgiving, although funnily enough, they can also be uh, way more damaging to your opponent due to the, the extreme amounts of spin that uh, you can put on the ball. So um, anyway, uh, let's get on to why, uh, sorry, what people are asking about real tennis on the internet. So the first question on the wheel of fortune or doom is who invented real tennis? Well, the story goes that in, I believe, 12th century or 12th or 13th century, France or other and other parts of, of medieval Europe. Uh, it's believed that monks used to play a game or, or different games uh, around the monastery whereby they would fashion a ball out of something or other. I think the most popular theory is, you know, used corks and, and stuff like that that you crush down or, or chip into a ball shape tied up. And then they used to sort of hit it around the cloisters. Now, look, real tennis for me is like the ultimate game that you kind of make up at home when you're a kid. Like indoor cricket that has all the crazy rules like one hand, one bounce, caught off the roof, hit the ball over there, it's a four, hit the ball over there, it's a six. Uh, I think really that's what real tennis is at its heart. If it did start out in uh, monasteries and there were, you know, monks crashing a ball around the cloisters well someone would have come up with a rule which actually is a rule like for example hit the ball in that that gap over there and you win the point well there are three instances of that in real tennis one one really big opening called the, the dead on uh, a, a very small opening uh, which is only at the receiving end of the court called the winning gallery and then a big square box that you aim at uh, also at the receiving end called the grill um, none of this will make any sense to you if you haven't played so again maybe take a google but essentially yeah it would be like me playing with a mate uh, in the garden saying right let's play tennis but if you hit it into that box over there you win the point so uh, who played real tennis well sorry who invented real tennis well monks basically uh, the next question is, who played real tennis? Well, those same monks and then many, many people thereafter. When was real tennis invented? Yep, covered that. When did real tennis start? Covered. And when was real tennis played? Well, it is still played um, now, but it was probably played more back in the day. There is a rumour, fact, suggestion that at one point there were over a thousand courts in Paris alone um, prior to the revolution. And um, I th that should indicate the popularity of the game. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into a bit more of that. What is real tennis? Well, I sort of covered it. Um, so we've already answered that. What are real tennis shoes? Now, I presume this is a vagary of the internet. I, real, I, I don't believe anyone would Google what are specifically shoes for real tennis uh, because the shoes you would wear are ones you might wear for any indoor sport like squash, 
badminton or, or, or lawn tennis. So it's probably what are real tennis shoes because in the States, tennis shoes is a phrase often used to refer to casual trainers um, and not sneakers. So people may be asking what are actual tennis shoes. The next one, are real tennis balls bad for dogs? Well, again, this might be a, a little missearch or sorry, a misreport. Uh, yeah, I think a real tennis ball, funnily enough, I mean, my dog would probably be okay because he's got the jaws of doom, but um, real tennis ball's pretty hard. And, I mean, if the dog got through the felt, it probably would have a good time going at the cork and it would be a real mess. Um, I think what this person or, or this search is suggesting is that, you know, you buy the tennis balls for dogs, which don't have as much fur on or felt so maybe this this search is about are oh, actual tennis balls bad for dogs uh if they swallow one yeah it'd be bad for your dog is real tennis a sport yeah pretty much where are real tennis courts okay this one is a bit more specific there are to my knowledge courts in the united kingdom france the united states and Australia there may well be uh, disused or inactive courts elsewhere uh, real tennis has a sister sport uh, in the game of rackets which we'll cover another day but rackets courts were known to be built um, in, in former British colonies uh, especially places where there were army bases and so on as people built them for recreation so India there used to be lots and lots of rackets courts so I would not be surprised if somewhere in the world um, other than the US, France, Australia and the UK there is a real tennis court um, it will not be a real tennis court anymore because the game is full of very enthusiastic people who look for these sorts of things so um, that's where they are now. There are probably plans afoot to build them elsewhere. Um, true story, I once was involved in a very, very big project uh, in Agadir, Morocco, and our intention was fully to put a real tennis court in that project as well. That project, unfortunately for reasons outside of our control, did not happen. Next question from the internet. What are real tennis shoes again? How much are real tennis chains? Hmm. This one, I don't even know what that would be. I mean, I don't know many people that play real tennis wearing a chain. I mean, there, there's bound to be a few people for sure. Why not? But... Um, yeah. Uh, where are there real tennis courts? Again, I've already explained that. Where are the real tennis courts in the UK? Okay, I believe there are 26, maybe 28 real tennis courts in the UK. I could Google it, but this is a no Google challenge. Uh, the latest court, or the newest court rather, uh, is at Wellington College in Berkshire. 
the newest one prior to that, I believe, was also at a school that was Radley College in Oxfordshire. There are courts in Scotland. There are courts in the north, the south, uh, one in the west, southwest, actually two, I think, in the southwest, uh, a few in London, and then some others scattered about. Um, the latest ones have been built at schools because they they have the land, they have an active, sorry, a captive audience, and generally um, they are built onto an existing sports facility, so they can attract people to play and use them. Uh, they are generally built there also um, because they have uh, a benefactor um, or a series of benefactors that have an association to that school. Um, before that. I think the the one built at uh, well another school, the Oratory, in, also in Berkshire, and at in Hendon, what's now the Middlesex University Real Tennis Court uh, in North London. Uh, there are courts at the Queen's Club. Lords has a court, a really nice court actually. Um, uh, where else in London? Well, Hampton Court Palace, as we mentioned earlier, and then. Um, there's more scattered about. Again, I'll probably provide a link or you can just Google real tennis courts in the UK, which is what uh, obviously is well Googled as it comes up in this search. Uh, next question, what's real tennis? Covered it. Uh, why called real tennis? Well, this one's interesting and this is what gets people and you may have noticed why I keep saying lawn tennis, which is just a habit. Um, this was the original game of tennis. Um, and lawn tennis, or tennis as we know it now, came from this game. So the people that play this to distinguish tennis from tennis and to distinguish tennis outside from lawn tennis as in tennis played on grass, I appear the phrase real tennis has, has emerged over the years. Um, I don't know why people care about the history of sports quite as much as they do probably as some sort of validation. Um, I mean, I don't think many people tend to mention the history of football or rugby every time they talk about it, but people seem to do it with real tennis. Um, yeah, look, lawn tennis is basically uh, the game of real tennis taken outside without the walls, and therefore you can't have a lot of the intricate rules that uh, make up real tennis. And lawn tennis developed into what it is today, which is a far simpler game that... Uh, at the time, people could just go outside, put up a net and hit a ball over it, back and forward. So it was a recreational game. How the irony now that uh, it's actually a very hard game to participate in um, for the young. Uh, and that's why uh, the UK is not very good at tennis and why Andy Murray and others have had to go overseas to play. Again, a topic for another day. Uh, I hope anyone listening to this who's a tennis fan doesn't object to my opinion. Uh, but anyway, previously it was a very accessible game. Real tennis went into somewhat obscurity because, you know, it's expensive to maintain an indoor court. The balls have to be handmade. There has to be a professional to make those. The court needs heating, lighting, sweeping, cleaning. The rackets need stringing, but they can't be done commercially, etc., etc. So there are only 30, just under 30 courts in the UK and about 40-odd, 50 worldwide just under 50, I think. Um, so that's why it's called real tennis, because it's the real original version of tennis. I'm not going to go into why it's called tennis. That's 
for another day. Yeah, she's not for another day. It's just not that interesting. How many real tennis courts are there in the world? Yes, I think uh, I think there's 48. Someone can correct me. I think there's 48. And how is real tennis played? Wow. Um, okay, I got to try and answer it because it's on the it's on the wheel, which is definitely not the wheel of fortune. It is played by uh, two or four human beings uh, in either the singles or doubles format. Uh, one end of the court is called the service end, cunningly called that because that's where you serve from. The other end is called the receiving end because that's where you receive the serve from. So there is no change of ends to serve like in tennis or lawn tennis. I'm going to call it lawn tennis, okay, just to differentiate the two for this sake of this uh, podcast uh, let's just do an imaginary point uh, in order to serve the ball I am serving against you listener the receiver uh, I have to serve the ball onto a sloping roof uh, which is to my left side to your right side called the penthouse I have to get it to bounce on that roof uh, within a certain part of that roof pretty much the whole thing um and then get it to land within the service box which you're now standing in which is a pretty big area um you get two serves like in uh, lawn tennis a first and a second um there are a lot of different serves you can serve from pretty much anywhere on the service side of the court so you can shorten the angle widen the angle you can serve high low with side spin, back spin, top spin, reverse slice spin, any spin you want. Um, and you can serve forehand, backhand, overarm, underarm. Anyway, you can propel the ball towards the penthouse with your racket. You can pretty much do it as a serve. And you could probably invent a new serve tomorrow and um, that would be most welcome. Once the ball has landed, or not, because you can volley it on the return, um, you hit the ball back to me and we are now in the middle of a point. If uh, you hit the ball past me into the very big net behind me, you win the point. You've just hit the ball into the dead on. Uh, Should you hit the ball past me and I miss it, and it bounces twice, there are some numbers on the side of the court. We look to see where the ball bounced twice, and we make a little mental note of it. It bounced twice at the number three, which is three yards from the back of the court. Now, you don't necessarily, sorry, you do not win that point. Uh, we just recalled that you managed to, to get me and that it bounced um, three yards from the back of the court. So it's still 15 love to you because you hit the ball into the dead on. Uh, now it's still 15 love. I serve, we play a few points, we hit the ball in the net, we hit the ball out until it gets to a game point. So let's say it's 40-15 to you, dear listener. If we have recorded where the ball bounced twice, we have recorded what is called a chase. We now need to play off that chase on game point, which means I go to the receiving end and you have laid me a chase of three yards, which means I have to try and hit your serve back within that three yard space from the back of the court. Essentially, you, via the wonderful return you hit earlier, 
that bounced three yards, sorry, twice, bounced on its second bounce, three yards from the back of the court, have changed the dimensions of the court for me, uh, making it very difficult because now I only have a small area to hit into. And you can defend that small area. You don't just let me have a go at it. So the real skill of returning uh, in real tennis is to try and lay a chase that is very hard for your opponent to win. Uh, also by laying a chase, it means that you get to serve again when the time comes, which is on game point, or if there are two chases. All of this is going to sound really confusing without a visual representation. I'm sure someone has made an explanatory video somewhere. Um, that's basically how you play real tennis. The storing system is the same as lawn tennis. And as I said earlier, there are three places on the court that you can hit the ball into that win you the point instantly. Uh, there are there is a roof also behind you when you're serving and to your left on your side of the court and the other side and at the opposite end of the court behind the receiver. The ball is in play on these roofs. Now, probably the most unique feature of a real tennis court and how you play the game is a large buttress that sticks out of the side of the court known as the timbre. This is at the receiving end, so if you're serving, you also have the benefit of a new target in the, not a new target, another target, sorry, in the timbre. If you hit the ball against the timbre, it flies horizontally across your opponent, uh, high, low, sharp, shallow, flat, fast, slow, and it makes it tricky to read. And also, it's a great place to try and hit the ball to kill the point off. Um, this buttress looks very much like a feature that would be stuck on the side of a church. Uh, I don't know what they're called. I'm no architectural uh, genius. So you can see the, the features of the monastery, uh, as it were, when you look at the court in the light of day. Um, to really know how to play, I, I suggest you have a look on YouTube, or if you already play, you're probably aghast at my description, but it's, you know, I'm doing this off the cuff. Um, the next question on the wheel, uh, covered that one, how many courts in the world, how many courts in England, pretty much covered that, where was tennis invented, covered that, originate, yeah, they, they think France, uh, there are quite a lot of Renaissance paintings also of of uh, tennis in Italy so um, it was probably quickly there after France too and that's actually the end of the wheel there aren't any more questions that we haven't covered so look I uh, it's quite an interesting exercise actually because uh, people who are aficionados of the game or, or players probably think a lot more of the game than it is but the truth in whole car, car sorry hard cold facts is that this is what people are searching about when it comes to real tennis so um you know the for example a, a search that's missing here is you know is there a real tennis court near me which 
when you think of search intent is a is a search that has a call to action at the end of it um for the searcher um a lot of these are pure information searches about you know an oddity i guess for them it's a sort of, you know again what you know if i was looking at highlight what is highlight what is palotta before i say is there a highlight caught near me i need to know what it is so the general public is uninformed because it's a minority sport and there are very few places to play it. Um, however, it is a great game. Uh, if you do search for a real tennis court near you, I'm not sure what you'll find in the search results. Um, what I do know is that most of the courts, although part of a club and generally private clubs, uh, would be welcome to you giving the game a go. The pros that that work at these clubs um, are generally uh, encouraged and incentivized to bring in new players to the game. It means more rackets sold, more rackets strung, more courts booked, more balls sewn, etc. So if you are someone that enjoys lawn tennis and or squash, um, You'd like real tennis because it's a hybrid of the two, in essence. Um, it's also very addictive because there are so many different ways to win a point and there are different styles of play to which you can uh, adapt your game. I don't really have a style of play apart from erratic. Um, but I enjoy volleying, for example. So I like playing doubles and I like getting up the court to try and volley I guess that's my sort of style of game and also hitting shots that have a very low percentage chance of being successful as anyone that's played with or against me will know um, yet yeah, there are people that uh, study the game and are very good at being consistent and hitting a good length and playing a sort of more classical game uh, there are people that can focus on power and, and try and hit the ball reasonably hard um, and so on and so forth. So, you know, unlike if you just started playing squash, well, uh, there's a few different ways, I guess, to, to play squash in, in terms of style. But the fact is, uh, let's start with um, how fit you are, how good your movement is, uh, and then we'll move on to tactics. Uh, and similar in lawn tennis, if you can't hit a backhand, you're not really winning any games. And if you can't serve, even less chance of winning any games. I think in real tennis you can to some extent and um, you're not going to win any world championships this way, but you can sort of shape your own game, especially with the number of different serves and the vagaries of the court. And, you know, if you can't move that well, then your game will, I uh, expect, take on um, the personality of, of one that hits the ball reasonably hard or, or is good at aiming at targets uh, whereas if you're or fleet footed you you may enjoy grinding out rallies and and not you know expending so much energy on on striking the ball because uh, into targets because you might make more errors and so on and so forth so it is a good game and I would recommend anyone play it if you want to get in touch with me to 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 find out more about it feel free uh, to Drop me a line either by email at hello at the sporting dot blog or on our social channels. Uh, we do have some good articles on the blog about real tennis. I got 
an interview with Howard Angus, who's Howard Angus MBE uh, for services to Real Tennis and Rackets, who was a world champion at Real Tennis and, funnily enough, at Rackets uh, as an amateur, extraordinary guy. Um, and I got an interview with Claire Fay, the current women's world champion, whose um, husband is Rob Fay, the current men's world champion and largely considered the best player of all time. I haven't yet got a piece with Rob, but I'm sure I can get that sorted. Um, we may have some other bits on real tennis, I'm not sure. But uh, I guess that finished it off. Uh, if you like this sort of thing, um, then let me know. I think we'll do some of these for other sports too. And look, this is testing my knowledge. Um, um, of course, anyone can Google the answers to these things. Uh, it's probably more fun seeing me squirm and get facts wrong. Uh, but yeah, look, I enjoyed that one. Um, I would like to uh, just say hello to anyone that's listening for the first time. This is a new podcast, so there's very few listeners at the moment. I'm sure we'll be more popular than Peter Crouch by the end of the year. Uh, just in case you're interested coming up, I've got a couple of interviews soon, uh, both football related. Uh, one with a Russian journalist who I'm going to ask some questions about all things Russian football, which I think if you're a football fan will be very interesting. And the other is with um, a writer who I started working with, um, who is an aspiring football journalist. He's very young, he's only 14 and uh, I'm kind of mentoring him a little bit on um, on starting you know his writing career and stuff and he's doing some uh, work for the blog and we're putting together uh, an investigative investigative piece that he's leading on and just doing fantastically so I'm looking forward to talking to him after that piece is out and um, spreading the word on him a bit more and we um, will continue to do some exciting stuff if you have any suggestions. In fact, if you want me to do uh, these sort of answer the internet things on any other sports, please let me know because um, it's, it is quite fun. Okay, uh, thanks guys and uh, I'll see you next time. Uh, if you feel like giving us your attention, then head to the sporting blog and see what we've got going on. All right, thanks.